Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Hi, this is Chris Padilla, producer of the Beeson Podcast. Dr. Timothy George will be joining us in a few moments to introduce today's episode. But first, I'd like to share with you a letter we received recently from one of our podcast listeners. Dr. Bill Booyer, lead pastor of Wake Crossroads Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, writes, Dear Dr. George, greetings in the name of Jesus. I wanted to drop a quick note to you to thank you for the wonderful ministry you provide through the Beeson Podcast. Often when I'm walking for exercise, I listen to one of the podcasts. Just today, I was blessed by Pastor Ralph West's comments about the ministry. What wonderful insights. Even though I've pastored for 40 years, I gained fresh perspectives from Ralph's responses to your interview questions. Thank you for your faithfulness to serve Jesus. God's best to you, Bill Booyer. Thank you so much, Dr. Booyer, for your kind note. If you would like to write to us, you can send us an email at b as in Beeson, D as in divinity, S as in school, info at samford.edu. Again, that is B-D-S-I-N-F-O at samford.edu. Or send us a letter at 800 Lakeshore Drive, Birmingham, Alabama 35229. We pray that you will continue to be encouraged by the ministry of the Beeson Podcast. Now, here's Dr. George as he introduces today's studio guest, Brian King. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, the year was 1863. The place was King's Tree, South Carolina. That was right during smack dab in the middle of the Civil War. A little baby boy was born. His name was James Alexander Bryan. He grew up to become a Presbyterian pastor moved to Birmingham, became the pastor of the Third Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, and over the years developed a remarkable ministry in Birmingham, Alabama. He became known simply as Brother Brian. Now today, if you ever visit Birmingham, you may have even heard, if you haven't been here, of Red Mountain, and there's a statue on top of that mountain to the god Vulcan. But if you were to be on top of Red Mountain and start driving right down into the heart of Birmingham, you would pass five points, which is like a big intersection. There's a fountain there. And if you look to the right, you'll see a statue of Brother Brian kneeling in prayer. He was known for many things, but he was known as a man of prayer, a minister of the gospel who believed in prayer and who lived out a life of ministry and prayer. He died in 1941 after many decades of caring for the needy, the poor, the outcast. Uh, He was a chaplain to the fire department, and he was deeply involved in the life of the city and almost a legendary figure even to this day. Well, why am I talking to you about Brother Brian? Because our podcast today is focused on him and the continuing legacy he has left behind. And I have here in the studios a graduate of Beeson Divinity School, a friend of our school, and a person who now works at the ministry known as Brother Brian Mission. And his name is Brian Keene. 
So, Brian, welcome to the Beeson Podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. George. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Now, before we get to talking a whole lot more about Brother Brian and the Brother Brian mission that you're so involved in leading these days, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a Christian, how you came to Beeson, whatever can help us understand your own calling. Yeah, I grew up in a small rural town in North Florida, and my mother was a committed follower of Jesus, so I grew up in the church and through the ministry of the church came to faith at a fairly young age. As I went through my college experience, began to discern a call that God wanted to use me in a, in a more uh, concentrated way in vocational ministry. And so as I graduated college, went back to work with my local church that I grew up in and had a wonderful experience there as a youth pastor, but uh, had some real challenges and questions about some of my theological underpinnings and foundation. And so realized if I was going to be effective long-term in ministry that I needed a much better training and a more robust uh, theological uh, background. And so uh, began to investigate places that would be a good fit for me. Came to visit Beeson and fell in love with the place. And so uh, this is really where God began to shape uh, the way that I see the world and the way that I would, even the ministry that I would begin to pursue. And Birmingham is, of course, a great historic city. It's a city with a lot of scars. We think of the civil rights period especially. Uh, But there are great human needs in Birmingham all around us today. And Brother Brian Mission, named after the great Brother Brian that we talked about early on, uh, is intent on fulfilling the great commission of Jesus Christ amongst the people who are the neediest maybe in our city. Tell us a little bit about the mission itself and what you all are doing there. Yes, sir. It was... uh launched in 1940, a year before Brother Brian actually passed. And before Brother Brian passed, he asked if there would be some business leaders in the, in the area that would continue the ministry to his, what he called affectionately his men, uh, men who were struggling to find uh, freedom from alcohol addiction, struggling to find a place in society. And so some business leaders in the area began the ministry just in an effort to carry on that legacy. Uh, we've been here since then in the city. Uh, and so we're the oldest mission in Birmingham. And so today, the focus has changed. Uh, Up until about six years ago, the ministry really focused on trying to help men find employment and housing, uh, but really did little to address the real core issues that would bring them to our doorstep. And so six years ago, we began a more concentrated effort to affect change not just in the fruit of their addiction, but the real causes of the addiction and destructive decision-making that would lead them to a place of homelessness or in a, in a difficult, strained relationship with their families. So today, uh, we have a ministry where we have a residential uh, Christ-centered recovery and job readiness program. And so there are two different programs that are geared towards, again, addressing those core heart issues that would lead someone to make destructive decisions or fall back into Uh, addiction. And so the two programs are are discipleship-based. They address uh, addiction-related issues if they come to us with alcohol or uh, substance abuse needs. Uh, Many of our men will come and they'll have a background where there are criminal or legal issues that need to be addressed. And so our focus uh, really is based on what we see in Matthew 4. So when Jesus began to discuss and it was explained what his ministry was, uh, it said that he would proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And so we proclaim the good news of the gospel and how that begins to free and bring people into an intimate relationship with God. 
it said that he also began to teach about what it looked like to live as a citizen of that new kingdom. And so we do discipleship programming to address those hard issues and begin to teach men how to walk out their faith in this world. And then thirdly, it says that Jesus was healing. And while we don't always have that uh, ability to see the immediate, distinct healing in the way that he did, we do meet the practical needs uh, that have caused men to fail and to struggle. And so as they come to us with legal issues or they may have physical ailments that have not been addressed or mental issues that have kept them from being able to hold down gainful employment, uh, we make sure that they get the resources that they need in an environment, in a community where they re- receive and understand and know the lo- deep love of Christ. And as they are immersed in that type of gospel community, it just begins to change people. It's amazing that we see over and over and over again uh, that when a man comes into our programs, you just see the the depression and the brokenness physically in their body and their eyes. And as they're experiencing the love of Christ in this community and they begin to understand the gospel and the freedom that only Jesus can bring and they begin to live out the precepts of the faith, then you see literally a physical change begin to take place. And it's unlike anything I've ever seen. When I first got involved in the ministry, that was one of the things that really drew me to the mission. I had been involved in in parish ministry, but as I got involved at the mission, we didn't have to convince someone that they were a sinner. Uh, We knew that we were broken. That's why we're there. And so we began to discuss not just that we have a need. We we understand that and we embrace that. That's why we come to the mission. But we began to discuss what does it look like to find healing and wholeness. And so it was this wonderful uh, rawness of being able to be open and transparent about our brokenness, but also open and transparent about what what does the gospel do in those broken places in our souls. And so our understanding of what we do, uh, we believe that when a man comes to us, if he does have an addiction, and most of our men do, that that's the fruit of the problem and not the root, mm-hmm. uh, that there are core heart issues. Uh, we call them holes in the soul that have been blown through uh, from their sin, the sin that's been committed, uh, uh, that others have committed uh, in their lives. And so through those experiences, they begin to find ways to try to satisfy and satiate those desires and to begin to uh, cover over those wounds. And ultimately, only the gospel begins to free and heal the human heart from the, the wounds and bondage uh, that this world can bring. And so we introduce men to a real relationship with Jesus and then how that gospel might impact every area of their life. Uh, Brian, you several times used this word addiction. It's probably one of the most often used words to talk about uh, a great uh, problem that we have in this society today. But what is addiction? Uh, addiction is a bondage that often is associated specifically with a substance, alcohol, uh, cocaine, and so forth. But addiction is a bondage that begins to take root in our lives and becomes an overwhelming compulsion. And so we see men coming to us with addictions that aren't just substance abuse related. Uh, it may be a relationship, destructive relationship. It may be uh, pornography. It may be gambling. But it's some issue, some sin pattern in their life where they're looking for that substance or that process to supply for them what only God can. And so we do walk them through a process of uh, carrying out the 12 steps in a Christ-centered way to be, again, to address some of those hard issues that might lead them back into addiction. But we believe that it's the gospel of Jesus 
that begins to break those chains and allow them to walk in a measure of freedom. Now, when I was growing up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, there used to be a mission downtown Chattanooga, uh, and it basically offered food to people that were hungry on the street, street people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them were alcoholics. I'm sure they had addictions. Uh, and essentially, it was, it was a wonderful ministry because it was about the only thing they had. And I would sometimes go down on Friday night and preach and, you know, we would talk with the men, but and then they would be given food to eat. And that, but that was about the extent of the ministry. I'm not criticizing them again because that was about the only thing in town going at the time. It seems to me that Brother Brian Mission, you have a more holistic approach than that, and you're you're trying to deal with a whole person with the deep needs. They're psychological, they're emotional, they're social, they're sometimes physical needs, as well as the actual deprivation of being unemployed and hungry and not able to care for yourself or anybody else. Yes, sir. So one of the, one of the goals of our ministry uh, is that we take Colossians one twenty eight, where Paul prays that he would teach every man and admonish every man with all wisdom so that he may present every man complete in Christ or mature in Christ. And so our goal as a man enters our program, is really fivefold. We say that we want to have every man depart our programming free of addiction with stable housing, stable employment, and a healthy relationship with God, which is the foundation, and a healthy relationship with other people. And so that would be their local church. Uh, that would be uh, the civil authorities, family, and so forth. And so to accomplish those things, we, we realize if that's the end goal, we have to then backtrack to ask, what are the things that will allow us to accomplish those? And so for a long time, in not just in uh, Chattanooga, but in, in our association of gospel rescue missions that are spread out over the country, that was the pattern. And so you would have a soup kitchen, you would have a chapel service, and you might house people, but there wasn't much in the way of discipleship or programming to really address some of the core issues that you're discussing. And so uh, now we address if there are any learning deficiencies, uh, certainly job readiness and training uh, if we're gonna, if we're going to see these men walk in the freedom and the wholeness that Jesus, I believe, uh, intends for them, then we have to think again hol- holistically about the entire person. So, if there are mental health needs, all those things that might be a barrier to them being a faithful disciple, and so uh, our classes and training will encompass uh, all of those all of those different issues and facets of life. It sounds to me that uh, all these issues you're talking about and how to address them, how to deal with them, uh, you need a whole team of people helping you. And you must do this in partnership with others. Is that right? Yes, sir. So uh, one of our things that makes us a little bit unique among some of uh, people that are doing similar work in the city is we do invite and really um, embrace volunteers coming in. And so we're really dependent upon the local church here in Birmingham. And so as a staff, uh, we believe a part of our job is equipping those saints for the work of ministry that we're carrying on. And so we have a a wonderful staff that does an incredible job with teaching, counseling, uh, walking with the guys through the programming, but we also invite the local church in to participate with us in really robust and meaningful ways. One of the things that we started uh, almost three years ago now that has been a surprise because of what it's done for the ministry and the culture and the mission, we started an internship program. So as men are completing our first nine months of programming, they can go stay on with us for another year and do a year-long ministry internship where they can explore vocational ministry, have, be involved in leadership there in the mission. And often we have three gentlemen actually now that are in that program that are at Southeastern Bible College. And so they're getting some ongoing ministry training. Uh, I have Michael here with me today who's over at Jeff, Jeff State Community College. 
uh, who's doing the same thing. And so it gives them a chance to grow in their faith and grow as Christian leaders. But it's also done this really remarkable thing for us that it's changed the culture of the ministry in a way that we couldn't have imagined. And so as we think about Jesus' method of multiplying leaders and disciples as we've equipped these men for the work of ministry more than just chaplains doing that work. We now have men that have been raised up through the ministry that are carrying on that work in ways that we could have never dreamed or imagined. It's been incredible. How is Brother Brian mission supported financially? Uh, we're uh, we're nonprofit, and so we're supported uh, by individuals, churches, and businesses. We f- receive a few community grants, but we don't receive any state, federal, or city funding. We want to be able to have the freedom to be gospel-centered in all that we do, and so to avoid any any carryover, any restriction on that ministry, uh, we believe that God uh, has put us in a position where we can invite the local church and invite uh, people to per- participate and partner with us in fueling this ministry and keeping it going forward. Now, Brother Brian was a pastor, as I said, of the Third Presbyterian Church, which still exists today, and I'm so glad to know that there's a Beeson student who's an associate pastor there, uh, Hunter Twitty. And so it's wonderful that you can be in partnership with that church and other churches to carry out the, the great commission of Jesus right here in Birmingham. Uh, so do you, do you have worship services? Do you have kind of discipleship classes at the mission itself? Yes, sir. So when a man comes to us, uh, the, the way we receive gentlemen, uh, comes to, they come from a multiplicity of places. And so we might receive a gentleman who has gotten into some legal trouble with the local authorities, and so they may refer him to us, expecting him to complete a recovery program. Uh, We're not tied in where they can uh, court order him and make him come, but uh, if that should be a requirement, uh, we've been accepted because we've developed such a great name with the the local authorities and with the state that we've become an authorized uh, place for them to, to work out their recovery. We also get guys coming walking into us uh, that are a walk-in from the street. Uh, there are other gentlemen that are referred from families. One of the things that surprised me more recently, and this is technology age, is our website has driven uh, just a ton of traffic and people to us. But men come to us, and when they first enter our mission, they enter into what we call the New Life Fellowship. It's a nine-month discipleship program. And so it's broken up into four phases. And as they move through, they're going to meet with a, with a chaplain, with a counselor each week to diagnose and address those causes of why they ended up in the position that they were in, uh, to begin to lead them into, Lord willing, a relationship with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would would regenerate their heart and they would come to faith and then begin to disciple them. They'll go through classes where they'll have usually four classes a day. Two of those will be uh, in our uh, discipleship classes dealing with relational dynamics, conflict resolution, discipleship, Bible study, uh, financial literacy, uh, career readiness, all those types of things. But then we also do some recovery classes. They'll additionally be involved in our adult education center. Uh, when men come to us, we find that the trauma of addiction really begins to impact their uh, mind's ability to process information, to make solid decisions, and then retain information. And so, again, as they're abusing diff- various substances, that it can really affect their ability to recall midterm, long-term memory. And so we take them through a course of study in our education center to address those memory lapses. We want them to be able to understand the gospel, retain scripture, and then be able to apply it in the most robust and meaningful way possible. Uh, If there are any learning deficiencies or learning 
disabilities, we address those. We use other partners, as you mentioned. We can't do this alone. We use the literacy councils a few blocks away downtown. And so we have a few gentlemen right now that read on a fourth and fifth grade level. So they're going to a that's a real core issue for us that if you can't read and understand scripture, that's that's such a incredible amount of bondage. So we want to be able to allow them to have their world expanded and be able to engage and read and understand God's Word for themselves. And so that's a real primary focus for us if there are learning problems, GED, track. But they'll go to a few of those classes every day. They'll have a morning devotion and then an evening chapel. And so we'll have a chapel service seven days a week. And so we invite folks in from the local community. And so we have pastors and teachers and preachers come in. We have on Wednesday night, actually, a few of our Beeson students here actually preaching for us on a rotating schedule on Wednesday nights. Uh, and that was actually how I got a start. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Dorset, I was meeting with him. He was discipling me and my roommate at the time. And he really uh, encouraged us and, and uh, challenged us and pushed us out the door to get involved with the ministry. And this was so new. I grew up in such a rural setting that being involved in urban ministry and being involved in addiction recovery was something that I had no context for. Uh, but again, just m- beginning to meet the men and walking with them through what they're dealing with was just so uh, enticing. I fell in love with it, became a volunteer for a few years, and yeah. uh, nine years later, here we sit. So. You, you mentioned my colleague, Dr. Lyle Dorsett, who is our Billy Graham professor of evangelism here at Beeson Divinity School. And he himself, as he very openly dis- dis- discusses his testimony, was an alcoholic and really uh in the throes of addiction and his life totally uh, on the way to ruin uh, when he accepted Christ and had a remarkable turnaround conversion and has given his whole life to helping other people. So he has a real heart for this, and I'm glad that he encouraged you to get involved as well. Yeah, it's an incredible story uh, as he shares his testimony. He actually got his start in ministry and preaching at the Denver Rescue Mission. And so through that experience and him growing and, and honing his preaching craft, he then passed that gift on to us and challenged me and Kaylin Clay, who's a chaplain in the Navy now. We were students together here at Beeson, challenged us to get involved with uh, with Brother Brian. We did, and it changed our lives. Yeah. And so Kaylin, through his ministry, carried on and really got involved with some of the addiction recovery ministry in his chaplaincy with the Navy. And, and obviously I ended up coming on staff at the mission, but it really changed the trajectory of our lives, and, and God used that experience to hone and sharpen our calling. And so it's been just an incredible, uh, incredible ride. Very grateful. I'm talking today on the Beeson Podcast to Brian Keene. He is program director at Brother Brian Mission here in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, he's a graduate of Beeson Divinity School. Uh, Brian, can you say a word about how you, as a minister, as a Christian, uh, as a leader in this world, how you retain your own sense of spiritual vitality? How do you keep from getting burned out when you're dealing with these issues day in and day out? To be honest with you, Dr. George, that was one of the things that really uh, hit me pretty heavily the first couple of years I was in the ministry. And I really wrestled with some burnout about two years in and questioned whether this was something I could continue on. It was beginning to affect me. Uh, depression was beginning to affect my family. And so went through some pretty dark times. Uh, God took me through an experience uh, where he challenged me to submit to him and submit to some authorities um, that I was wrestling with at the time. And through that experience, 
and then some staff changes, he began to show some light. We were able to change the focus. I was given a little more freedom to be more gospel-centered in the way that we approached the ministry, and it, it changed our lives. As far as ongoing uh, practice today, I have learned uh, that I make a terrible Savior. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I was coming home at night, I would take the weight of the ministry with me. If a man failed or walked away for a time, I would feel like it was a personal failure. And so I have learned to love men passionately and recklessly, but to entrust them to Jesus, that Jesus makes a wonderful and beautiful Savior, and that his shoulders are quite capable of handling the load and the weight of ministry. He gives me this opportunity to serve him and to be about his kingdom business. It is a privilege to do so. But as, as such, I don't carry the weight of that ministry. I'm simply a servant. I'm not the owner. And so as I've learned some of these lessons through the years, it's allowed me to rest in his grace and rest in his sovereignty, that he is a God who knows the end from the beginning. And so I can trust him in every circumstance, whether we see a lot of fruit or whether we see a little fruit, that we can trust him with every circumstance and with every up and down. I also have a wonderful fellowship among the other staff, and so we're able to lean into one another to pray together on a daily basis. We begin every single day with some of our staff in prayer, knowing that if God doesn't do the work, if he doesn't build the house, we labor in vain. And so to answer uh, succinctly after saying all that, I would say learning to trust in his sovereign grace, to learn to rest in his peace. And as we serve, I think it's taught me more and given me more than I ever could have given uh, and it's taught me so much about learning to be filled with his spirit of emptying myself and allowing his strength, his joy, his peace, his power to flow through because we are insufficient in ourselves. And so recognizing his power is perfected in our deepest weaknesses and we will be exposed uh, is a wonderful, liberating truth. But it's a hard one truth. Mm. And so it's been, it's been the most incredible journey uh, that I could have ever asked for. And more than ever shaping other disciples, God has shaped me in ways that I couldn't have dreamed. It's, uh, I'm just, again, I hate to say it again, uh, but just so grateful to have had the opportunity to serve in the way that I have. Beautiful testimony. We're almost out of time, Brian, but I, I wanted to ask you to say a little bit about the future as you think of where Brother Brian's mission is going and uh, where this ministry, you, you've mentioned men a lot because those are the people you primarily work with. But what about women, too, who also suffer from addiction and many other kinds of abuse in our culture today? As you think about the future, what are your thoughts along those lines? So there are a few items on our agenda as we look across the scope of our community here in central Alabama. And one of the areas that we see a distinct need for is a really robust, uh, deeply rich theological uh, program that would be geared towards helping women and children who are caught up in the throes of addiction. And so there are some programs here in the city, but we see a distinct need and a niche for what we believe Brother Brian can provide. Uh, there's often not a time that we've had a woman come by that's been in need of a program that we could refer out that there was an opening in one of the other ministries and programs or if there was an opening that they needed a $500 or $1,000 entry fee that's not easily to come by if you've burned all your bridges and you're isolated. And so there's a, there's a deep need for that in our community. Additionally, one of the things that we've prayed for and asked God for, and we believe is we're going to be able to begin this year, 
is we've seen as we looked at the state that our state prisons are at 180 percent occupancy. Right now, on average, the prison system, uh, the prison guards are at 50 percent staffing pattern. And so as you look at these atrocious conditions that our prisoners are living in, we believe that God is inviting us and opening a door for us to be able to step into that really distinct need of, of doing prison reentry programming. And so to invite guys who could receive an early release but right now have nowhere to go because they don't have a, a home plan, to be able to receive those prisoners and inmates into a program where, again, they can receive the love of Christ, be put in a structured environment where they can begin to re-engage with society and learn to live out a faith uh, that can change the world. And so that's a, a goal for us for this year, for the latter stages of 2017. Uh, for the women's and children's ministry, that's within our five-year scope and goal. And so we believe that there's a need, and uh, we have financial needs to meet some of those goals, but we know that uh, the, the fruit is ripe, and so we're just calling on the Lord of the harvest to provide the workers and the finances needed to be able to accomplish these things. And so we're excited about the future. We believe that Brother Brian Mission's best days are still yet in front of us. You know, Catherine Marshall, who was the wife of Peter Marshall, who actually used to be a pastor in Birmingham at the First Presbyterian Church years ago, once referred to Brother Brian as the patron saint of Birmingham. I think that's a good title for him and for his life. His legacy lives on in many ways, and especially through the Brother Brian mission that you and others are leading today. God bless you, Brian Keen, in the work you're doing there. Strengthen your hands and cause you to prosper for good and for God's glory in this city at the Brother Brian Mission. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Gilbert. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.